Tell You What, the podcast, where we talk with songwriters about the craft of songwriting, live performance, and all the other things. Our guests on this episode are Denny Hlavinka and Chris West of the Western Den. Chris and Denny have been making music together since meeting in 2011 at the Berkeley College of Music, and they had just released their first full-length album, A Light Left On. I will keep these intro re- remarks brief. Chris and Denny had a lot of interesting things to say in our chat, so it went a bit longer than usual. But let me say this, this album has completely won me over. I must give full credit to the executive director and lighting technician of Tell You What Studios, who first recognized the brilliance of this music. And as usual, she was spot on correct. These arrangements are intricate, yet restrained and confident, and lyrically, Chris and Denny show wisdom beyond their years. I will also add that they are wonderful people, We've had their entire band, including Catherine, Alec, and Sean, stay with us here a couple of times. It has been delightful and fun. Susan and I are now proud to call them our friends. They put on an incredible show here at Tell You What Studios. They had our crowd stupefied with their musicianship and the soundscapes they were able to create in our living room. So let's get to it. Here's our chat with Denny and Chris of the Western Den. What if I'm Denny, welcome to Tell You What podcast. Thank you for joining me here in the um, 87th floor of the <laughs> Tell You What Epiplex. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Thank you. You know, this is one of the only buildings in Wilmette that survived the uh, polar vortex. We were built to survive that, so I hope you appreciate <laughs> That's great. the view yeah. that we have from the 87th floor here. Yeah, it's an apocalyptic wasteland. Yes, <laughs> but we are safe. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I, I can tell you that I'm very much looking forward to the show that you're going to perform here at our studios later today. I hope you both got a good night's sleep last night. Oh, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Solid eight hours. <laughs> Maybe not eight. Ten hours. Chicago, <laughs> Chicago can be a late night city. So yeah. you guys had a show last night that was awesome. I was able to go to. So oh, we're looking forward to sharing that with our guests today. So let's start at the beginning. Um, let's talk a little bit about your backgrounds. Um, Chris, I believe you are our first guest from Bermuda. Mm-hmm. Did you grow up there? Was that where you spent all of your youth? And yeah. maybe you can talk about what that meant from like a musical exposure perspective growing up in a, let's say, unique um, yeah. environment yeah. like that. Sure. Um, so I was born in Canada. Okay. And I moved there to Bermuda when I was three weeks old. Uh, musically, it's a it's an island, so there's a lot of 
calypso and kind of like reggaeton and reggae and mm-hmm. um, just general island vibes. Uh, and that was never, never really what resonated most with me. I was more so the 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 kid that just picked up an acoustic guitar and would sit in my basement for hours on end trying to you know figure out weird tunings that sounded cool and listening to like Mumford and Sons and Body of Air and stuff like that in my so basement. This was music you discovered on your own or did your family expose mm, you to Probably some of this? my own. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. So at what point did you pick up the guitar in your When I was about 12, my dad played guitar as well, so I think that was a bit of a inspiration behind wanting to so your dad yeah. played was not a musician but he played guitar. Yeah, exactly. And Denny, conversely, you, you grew up in Virginia. In Virginia, yeah. In the uh, Shenandoah Valley. Shenandoah Valley. Yeah. So <laughs> a bit of a contrast to Bermuda. Yeah, totally. So can you talk about your musical exposure when you were growing up? Yeah, um, music was just like always around. Um, my mom, or uh, every morning, would sing. Uh, Beautiful by Carol King to us nice. to wake us up, and then to go to sleep she'd sing um, "Sweet Baby Jane's" by James Taylor, and I remember um, like <laughs> actually it was so funny when I was in middle school and my mom would do that and I'm like no more Carol King, <laughs> but now it's like I realize that that's like a huge fundamental part of my upbringing I didn't really I mean I sang a lot in the house um, but I really loved the piano okay um, so I took a lot of um, piano lessons well I was I sort of taught myself how to play by ear and then my parents were like you should probably learn how to actually do this right. <laughs> instead mm-hmm. so I took some piano lessons which, which turned into like kind of writing songs and then I would sing with that so right. uh, yeah so, and then um, once I started singing, I uh, was actually pursuing classical voice from there. So it's oh. like all these things that come to fruition, and then I just am like, oh, try this lane this mm-hmm. time. So I studied classical voice for, um, I think, like 10 years. Wow. And, Starting at what age? Um, let's see, probably like 12, 13, wow. maybe, maybe, like middle school mm-hmm. age. And... Um, yeah, and then much to my voice teacher's dismay, I decided to pursue um, moody, uh, contemporary, folk, whatever, indie thing <laughs> instead of classical voice. But and you bring the classical voice skills <laughs> to it, I'm sure. Yeah. So you mentioned writing music. At what point did that really first start for you, writing your own songs? Um, my mom found a notebook uh, while she was cleaning up our house uh, a few years ago that was think from like fifth grade maybe really horrifying lyrics (laughs) just reading it is very cringy but I took it more seriously maybe um in like seventh and eighth grade and I think so these were lyrics and and music at the piano yeah Yeah. I would even like write out the sheet music oh wow uh as like a weird exercise I Mm -hmm. think um making sure I knew how to do it and now um we still have the sheet music so that's kind of fun to like play through things I wrote <laughs> and actually Did you have the sheet music. Did you ideas in there? Um, not really. <laughs> it's, all, it's all very uh, basic and angst of a 7th and 8th uh-huh. grader. So I don't, I mean, cool to channel that and that is still yes. me, but um, 
I've yeah, raised daughters through seventh and eighth grade, and I don't think I'd want to listen to any songs they wrote. <laughs> yeah. they probably had something to do with me, and they were usually <laughs> not in a good dad. mood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris, yeah. when did write mu- songwriting or music composition start for you, do you think? I think also at a young age. Yeah. Um, less so in actually writing songs. And I didn't. this actually didn't register until Denny was describing... Uh, your mom finding your notebook of old lyrics, <laughs> but um, I just had this crazy flashback to, I think like being like a ten year old or around that weird age, and I would write out raps. Um, oh, wow. Like, I didn't know that. Yeah, this I, is I, very cool. I forgot about big this. news. But I would like write out <laughs> raps to like pop songs. Okay. And like change the lyrics. And it was all very bizarre and like kind so of. So the pop songs were your beats, and yeah, you wrote raps yeah, yeah. over them. So that was very like ten year old boyish thing. Do um, you have any specifically in mind you want to share with us? I have. I couldn't. The, I mean, <laughs> it's just the memory that I did that. Yes. Anything beyond that is just gone. Okay. Um, it makes more sense now because Chris has a tendency to make up raps in the van. Yeah. Or, it just uh, helps the time go by. Yeah. Or really in the morning or, that or evening or any time of day. You have, have freestyle skills. Is that what you're claiming? Uh, um, skills is generous. That's a generous <laughs> term. Um, you have enthusiasm. So when, do you, when do you remember actually starting to write So actually songs? writing songs, <laughs> I probably in my... Early teen years, 13, 14. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lots of introspection from, like I said before, being that, that just the kid in my basement, just like, you know, not really vibing with the rest of it. And did you have any opportunity to perform any of these songs? Oh gosh. High Uh, school? I did later in my, in my teen years. Yeah. um, But I wouldn't dare play those songs live uh, when I was writing them. But it happened. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, Chris yep. is on a compilation record in Bermuda. Oh my gosh! Oh, wow. That they still sell at the one like music store from your high school. From high school, an yeah. original song. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we might have to get our hands on. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. I'll I'll uh, vote against that. We might we might be able to edit this out. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Dandy? Were you able to perform any any of your original music when you were that young, high school? Yeah, era? high school. I would always enter like the talent shows right. and. Um, it was always because it's. It, I am from a really small town, so um, I was like so obsessed with music that I would like perform my original music, and then other people would ask me to like accompany them on okay. the piano. So I would get a lot of stage time, and then you were the house band for the town. Yeah, show. which was a real delight. Like, yes, I loved being um, so involved with so many different people's music and mm-hmm. having them like trust me and kind of be the go-to. Right. Um, but yeah, I would also do original music and um, I would arrange like choir songs and form mini choirs. It was very wow. incestuous. I'm sure that like... So uh, you would form mini choirs just on your own, like form yeah. a band, but in yeah, a choir but in format. Yeah, in a choir form. I love harmony and mm-hmm. I loved... Um, I was so obsessed with like again writing out sheet music mm-hmm. and like giving for the it to choral people. parts also yeah, yeah totally so uh yeah i i'm sure a lot of people uh rolled their eyes at how much stage time i got in the Toronto <laughs> high school talent show <laughs> people were really like okay we get it she can play the piano she can play the piano okay fine next but yeah so i'd yeah. like to talk about collaboration i always find that interesting and in this particular case 
particularly interesting because your personal stories begin with collaboration, mm-hmm. right? You you met via the internet initially yes. and worked on a song together. That was your first time you I guys interacted. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about yeah. how that came about? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So we um, were accepted to Berkeley uh, at for the same semester, mm-hmm. and then they had a Facebook group um, like Berkeley class of 2015 and everyone was just posting their music. And okay. I think there was like a real excitement. I'm cause I, I feel like a lot of people are kind of like the, a lot of musicians and pe- particularly ones that are like obsessive enough to go to music school and like pursue it mm-hmm. full, like full time. But, uh, everyone kind of is like the kind of black sheep of their community or like big fish, small pond. And to like kind of all be together in this place, like everyone was posting um, YouTube videos of their music. And I posted a SoundCloud link of a song called run away. And then it said "Runaway unfinished demo. And I remember being like new song. And like, <laughs> my latest. Let work. me know what you yeah. think. Like, just generally non-directional, just just for anyone to listen well, to. Yeah. And then right. uh, Chris messaged me on Facebook and was like, "I really like your song." And then I think he downloaded it. And well, you can did you, you can tell the rest because yeah. I wasn't there. I just I, received the final product. I probably downloaded it and wrote something to it before I even messaged you, but oh. <laughs> Probably, I don't know. That's cool. But um, yeah, yeah. So I I downloaded it, and I think I wrote like a guitar part to it, and mm-hmm. the, like a second verse and harmonies and harmonies wow. and to the thing I had already recorded, which was oh, that's neat. Just a delight. Like I, um, the only collaboration that I had done previously is through the Sharando High School Talent Show. Right. So um, to actually like have something that a song that means something to me and have someone like compliment that without even meeting like that, that felt really special. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. So that's sort of how our collaboration began. Yeah. And my collaboration was, was with myself multi-tracking on GarageBand. Right. So So for both of you, this was the first real time you'd worked with someone else on a piece of music. Yeah. 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 And it was cool that our, um, I thought our our voices matched really well, mm-hmm. which is really a delight mm-hmm. uh, to kind of find that bond from, you know, a thousand miles away. How yeah. far away is Bermuda from Virginia? doesn't matter. Gosh. <laughs> Semantics. <Yeah. laughs> Pretty far yeah. in cultural terms, I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. So, so did that lead to you two immediately working together on other things when you arrived at school, or did that kind of... Yeah. We, yeah, I think we even, met, like... Even before. Yeah, I yeah. think we even, like, sent other songs back and forth and maybe yeah. experimented on that. I can't really remember. But yeah. it was so exciting. Yeah, and then the first day we... I think we went to a practice room and started playing. That day. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's very addictive when you yeah. find someone that kind of matches you. Yeah. So let's cool. talk about your... Um, collaborative process do you do you have have you developed a standard way of creating like does do you each work individually on something and bring it to the other or is it from the get-go are you interacting how does that if there is a standardish kind of way it's kind of all of the above it, it depends yeah. like um i think more often than not it is us like the seed is started separately mm-hmm. um 
But we have done a lot of uh, collaborating like, in real time, write the song start to finish yeah. in um, the same space. But um, the thing about the creative process, uh, I think Mitski, uh, she's an artist, uh, she said in mm-hmm. an interview uh, that when people ask, like, where does a song come from? It's more often than not, like, I don't know, I just wrote a song. I have no idea what happened. <laughs> All right, let me cross that question off my list. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's a great question. No, it's a great question. I don't actually have it. Oh, <laughs> but it's like, uh, yeah, so you kind of always, as an artist, have to be open to that. So mm-hmm. oftentimes Chris and I aren't in the same place or yeah. in the same room together, and, like, you just have to listen to that like spark when it comes mm-hmm. and then we have so many voice memos on our phones mm-hmm. of like humming in the car a melody or something and then we'll send it and we'll either use it or we won't and yeah but it's usually uh something that we can kind of jump off of like a kind mm-hmm. of launching point to something creative yeah um i think you like the goal is just to be constantly creating yeah and um when you do kind of really try to get in that mindset pretty frequently, mm-hmm. the amount of ideas and seeds that you're working with is pretty endless. And mm-hmm. right. so that is so one thing that has always made collaborating so much easier mm-hmm. because even if we are starting, you know, together in the same room from start to finish, it's really difficult to even say that like, there hasn't been an idea that's already been started somewhere previously yeah. b- before you bring it mm-hmm. to each other. Right. Yeah. Um, do you feel that one or the other of you emphasizes one part of the process more than the other, like more lyrics from one side or the harmonies or melody lines or anything mm-hmm. like that? Or is it all coming in from both sides? It's pretty even. Yeah. I mean, it depends on the song. Like um, on our um, album, like... I could like point to the ones that I wrote more mm-hmm. of, and you could point to the ones that you wrote more of. But yeah. then they all kind of blur, especially if we're collaborating in the same room. You know, like Chris will write a lyric, and then I'll be like, "What if we change this one word in the line?" Yeah. And then, yeah. and then it's a collaborative effort. So, um, yeah, it just depends on the song. Mm-hmm. I think um, both of our writing voices are similar so the way we write lyrics mm. is kind of like complementary to one another mm-hmm. so even if there's like an entire verse that Chris wrote and then an entire verse that I wrote I think that the flow yeah. between us is is good enough that it doesn't have to be yeah um, I would and from listening to the album even though you trade off the vocals mm-hmm. I think I would agree with what you're saying it is hard for me to say oh these are the two types of mm-hmm. songs or yeah. lyrics that have been written right yeah. like this is a classic Chris lyric right. or something <laughs> but yeah yeah, I guess it's kind of a weird, uh, vague answer that it just like it all de- it just right. all depends. Yeah, yeah. I can say that you both uh, are probably lyrically strong after watching a very intense game of Catchphrase Junior <laughs> at the house. It was a, it was a difficult competition. You were on opposite teams. Yep, yeah, you were. I believe I stumbled over the word shoes, but <laughs> you, you both showed your your vocabulary skills. Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Catchphrase Junior yeah. inspires our lyrics. <laughs> no, just on Junior. <laughs> uh, so, do you think that your different kind of upbringings you had in terms of just, I mean, they were from different parts of the world, really? Do you mm-hmm. think that brings something to the table in terms of the diversity of the upbringings that the two of you had? Yeah, 
I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm also hogging a lot of No, you, you take this Okay, question. so we kind of... I remember when we first started collaborating, because, I mean, I guess it's not really your upbringing, it's more of what you were referring to earlier about how you would play guitar in your basement mm-hmm. and listen to, like, Mumford and & Sons and Bonnie Iver and kind yeah, of, like, right. this kind of guitar-y folksy but kind of more ambient well Mumford and Sons is an ambient but yeah but it's, it's kind of pushing that the envelope yeah um but still acoustic and I was in this like ambient piano choir like ethereal world okay and um so I think you brought this like lovely like structure to the like project where it's like acoustic guitar like or electric guitar, just that, something yeah. that stabilizes it. Where I feel like mm-hmm. I'm like this weird floaty writing process yeah. instead, mm-hmm. and so I think it kind of it just balances really well. Yeah, because that's um, that's been something that I've kind of wanted in my music that I was missing. Um, mm. Yeah, growing crazy up, crazy harmony, crazy harmonies, you know, and like, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, just that ethereal aspect, right? Because so not know, necessarily a geographic or cultural difference, right. but more of just the musical approach, sure, yeah, yeah. which was very different, day. yeah, yeah. Because I think on paper, you know, I'm like, I, I think a lot of people, I'm from the birthplace of Patsy Cline, right? And it's super folksy. There's a lot of like bluegrass bands uh, in my hometown, but I've never really been. Uh, in that world yep. so yeah culturally regionally i don't i feel yeah. like a odd bird <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, totally yeah and like and it's the home of the rum swizzle i think there's a song and... about the rum swizzle waiting there, to there be should written. be yeah. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so as you mentioned you both went to the the renowned Berkeley College of Music, <laughs> where I assumed, and I think we may have talked about this the last time you were here, you did some study of songwriting, like mm-hmm. from an academic yeah. Christian yeah. study I of songwriting. Yeah, I studied songwriting, So can you talk about the academic approach to the songwriting craft? Um, you know, many songwriters most probably come to songwriting on their own. They maybe read a book or just listen to music and kind of figure it out. Here you were in an academic setting learning mm-hmm. the craft of songwriting. I just want to hear what you have to say about that and yeah. how it has played into the way you approach the craft. Sure. Well, it's it's definitely a highly structured thing when you're studying it. Um, you know, you're taking usually about three songwriting classes a week. Mm-hmm. And in each of them, the teachers really want you to get those motors running and constantly be writing. So we would be... Um, tasked with writing a song a week in each class. Wow. So three songs a week oh, wow. for a semester, for the most part, was the, the case. And I I, uh, I should say I did not complete them all. Because <laughs> um, I... That is a pretty tall order. Yeah, and and I, I feel like my upbringing with songwriting was very relaxed and very patient. And if a song wasn't feeling right, that was somewhat discouraging and you, you just kind of have to let it breathe a little bit. Time-wise. So, exactly, yes. yeah. So, um, yeah, that was a huge difference in terms of how to adjust to writing a song a week or three songs a week, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, versus coming from this place where 
you know, I would spend sometimes two months on a song. Right. And then I still don't think it's finished. Now, was some of this approach from their perspective because they wanted to produce people who were songwriters for a living where product, yeah. the product was important to keep turning it out. Yes, for sure. And there's definitely two facets of the songwriting major at Berkeley. Um, one being, you know, the folks that are going to be moving to Los Angeles, moving to Nashville, and just kind of writing like straight up hits, right. whether it's a country hit or a pop hit. But like the songs you hear on the radio are going to be written by those people. Right. Um, and then there are some lovely professors who, you know, their mission is to just like get that emotion out of you and put it into song. Um, Melissa Farrick is one of those professors who I found like great joy with studying um, songwriting, songwriting with. Um, yeah, she just really pushes you to explore different parts of the song emotionally and mm -hmm. she's she can really like just tell when you're faking it too <laughs> and she would often say um, I had a directed study class with her so it was just one-on-one -on -one. right and I'd bring a song to her and she'd just be like yeah that's cool but like what are you saying <laughs> so there's definitely two parts of the songwriting major mm -hmm. I'd say so if you look at your the way you approach songwriting now from that kind of product-driven environment, what do you think you took from that, if anything? Mm -hmm. um, I feel like I probably have an ability to just, like, push through if mm -hmm. I'm not feeling it. Um, if a song's not coming to me right away, or there's not this kind of highly romanticized version of what writing a song can sometimes seem like, of mm -hmm. just, like, it just came to me. And sometimes that's the case. Mm -hmm. But um, when that immediate inspiration isn't there I feel like having that structured um, kind of study was really helpful in finding different techniques to push through and just you know write a song uh, okay so we were talking about collaboration mm -hmm. let's go uh, more specifically in terms of a song on the new album yeah. let's talk about the song Hem mm -hmm. um, Let's see if we can talk about this a little bit ab abstractly. I don't think we need to get too personal here, but cool. you two are in a romantic relationship yeah. as well as professional. Mm -hmm. You write songs about relationships. Mm -hmm. And maybe if you could, like I said, without getting too personal, can you talk about that concept a little bit about writing about relationships with yeah. each other while in a relationship? Um, and then maybe specifically about the song Hem, which, yeah. which seems to me to be about kind of finding your way in a new relationship, mm -hmm. uh, finding your space in there. So yeah. wherever that long-winded question yeah. leads, if yeah. you just talk in that space somewhere. <laughs> yeah, we um, we don't get that question a lot, but so sometimes, because it is complicated. Yes. A lot of our songs look at love in a doubtful way, specifically him. Mm -hmm. I think uh, it's, yeah, it's just about, uh, that song's about, individualism and then um but also about like the over romanticization of love okay. and um about kind of i don't know just thinking that you have like one soulmate and they should just get you a hundred percent of the time and you shouldn't try like all of these things which we know by being in a 
long-term relationship and we're getting married in 61 days there you go. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but we have learned to navigate that so um and but that yeah that song specifically is about uh being like over romanticizing love and then also being like jaded by it i think um the more times your heart breaks the less you kind of believe in love the chorus kind of depicts that the best where um specifically the line uh what a pretty little homily if only it could keep me mm-hmm. um yeah i think that really kind of is a kind of all-encompassing thought to the idea of of being jaded by it it's like this is yeah. really really nice but you know am i in this i'm maybe not yeah yeah and i think it's just uh I think Chris and I have been doing a lot of like reflecting on like we're this you have one path in life so we're just like on this timeline and like you get to choose who you want to like spend spend it with and Mm -hmm. like there is that certainty and that um, like confidence when you find your partner but there is like that little voice of like parallel universe what Mm -hmm. would happen if we didn't go to berkeley like who would we be and like with who would we like i don't know who would we find love within like Mm -hmm. there's all of these other paths that life like could have taken and so there's like this little voice of i wouldn't say doubt i don't i and i don't speak of this personally i don't have out (laughs) but it's uh but you know as a human i think we're all just winging it at all times i know i am yeah (laughs) we're all just going along for the ride and i think um like trusting your gut is important but that song specifically carries the doubt of even knowing if like trusting your intuition is the right thing like are we influenced by our surroundings in a way that causes us to like I don't know, like, kind of form our own narrative that might be artificial. Like, Mm -hmm. have you been in too many negative relationships that you'll just magnify one red flag so that you protect yourself? It's about, like, building walls. And I don't know. It it kind of has a darker undertone despite being one of the uh, more upbeat upbeat songs, particularly in our our set, too. If you're a thread on a sharp night Always cutting loose ties It's habitual akin to repeat Hemmed up waiting All still waiting I started to decay to gratify Your hands expect To be invariably in mine There's a certain kind of love Back up then and talk about the uh, the new record. 
the light yeah. left on, which mm-hmm. came out recently. Uh, I think it's marvelous, by the way. I've given it a number of listens. Thank so you. People should be very proud. <laughs> um, I understand you were working on this for quite some time. Yeah, I think t- uh, two years. <laughs> yeah, about two years ago. We went in the studio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dimension Sound Studios in Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts. And um, I think we did 18 mm-hmm. days 18 in full the days. studio. And then there's... So two years ago you did 18 days? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, kind of all at once. Yes. Um, and That's then, a lot of days. Yeah. yeah. And then Pretty you much do mixing yeah. and then you kind of let the record breathe for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then... You do. We did mastering, and and then beyond that, um, we were like trying to kind of form a team around us so right. that we could feel um, supported in the release of a record. I think um, there is such saturation in the music industry, and people are creating all the time, which is so lovely. Um, but oftentimes, people make these albums and then. They just put it out and nothing happens. You right. know, people listen to it maybe and they'll just move on with their with their day. And we were so afraid of that happening um, because it meant so much to us. Like just thematically, it felt like the right um, sound. So we formed a team around us. We have management mm-hmm. and... We have a record label now, which right. um, they were, so the uh, album was put out through them. But yeah, it required a lot of patience because when you create something that you're excited about, mm-hmm. um, I think one of the hardest things is just keeping it yeah. to yourself. Yeah, I can secret. So 18 full days in the studio, mm-hmm. that's a lot of time. Yeah. Um, was it difficult not to do too much to the songs? The, 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 there are complicated arrangements yeah. on the record. But there's still kind of an air of restraint. Mm-hmm. And to me, that we talked about within the song "Him," even though it is a song about questioning, there is a confidence in there. And I think mm-hmm. that confidence comes through, through the restrained yet still complicated arrangements. Yeah. So did you have to stop adding or changing things? Was that like a conscious effort? I would credit so much of that to our producer, okay. Dan yeah. Cardinal, because um, I feel like if we self-produced... Um, I know I have a tendency to want to just add right. so many things. Just and 50 tracks. Yeah, right and you have doubling. Yeah, creating like, totally. Uh, choirs of guitars. And mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a really good lesson. Because mm-hmm. it is still enough, you know? Like, uh, a lot of the arrangements are complicated. I can think of specifically on Company. I don't mm-hmm. even know how many tracks are on that. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I can remember ideas that we had where Dan was like, are we totally sure? Because yeah. you can, when you let the arrangement breathe a little, that is really effective as well. So, and then it makes these big moments with, you know, hundreds of things, mm-hmm. not hundreds of things, dozens of things. <laughs> um, it makes that more effective right. and like creating that the dynamic range and, yeah. um, is really important. And it also would exhaust listeners and audiences if every song had the same arrangement, yeah, the right. same instrumentation. Yeah, yeah and specifically, uh, we keep citing him, uh, but that mm-hmm. song, I can think of all of these things 
but I like we play it that live. You wanted it, to do. Yeah, yeah, like when we play it live, the arrangement's a little different than right. on the record. But when I listen to it on the record, um, the patience of it is like it makes it, the words mean more. Yes. It like yeah. kind of adds to that um, emotion a little yeah. bit. So I was so happy that Dan uh, Cardinal was able to um, really harness that because right. I feel like maybe restraint isn't mm-hmm. my strong suit mm-hmm. you're better at it <laughs> i don't know I, like, I feel like i also have a tendency to layer and layer and layer and um yeah patience was patience and restraint was a was a big theme on yeah. on the recording process mm-hmm. which um i feel was different to our previous methods because mm-hmm. um, we had self-produced two eps prior to right. this and yeah, those <laughs> exporting those tracks was uh, uh, took a long time just because <laughs> it'll, it'll be like now exporting insert crazy amount of tracks. Right. Harmony nine. Yeah, it's <laughs> the three days, four yeah. hours, and seven <laughs> minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that I, I tell you, well, it worked. As like I said, oh, I mean, I, my opening statement about the record was that it showed restraint and that there is confidence there. You are obviously confident in your music, the way you talk about it, and now that comes forth in, in the album. Yeah, um, thank you. you talked about playing the songs live. I did want to ask about that. You have these complicated arra- arrangements. Mm-hmm. Now you go out on the road with a band, mm-hmm. but certainly not what you had in the studio. So yeah. how do you approach that? Do you think of them as, well, this is the studio version, now we're going to do this version live? Are you trying to recreate? How do you, how do you approach that? Yeah, I, I think when we were making this record, I, I, at least for me, I, there's some something about being able to replicate a studio performance in a live setting has always been something I've really loved. Mm-hmm. And when, when an artist can, um, you know, not the full thing, but at least, you know, like 80% of it or something, like mm-hmm. you can leave that extra 20% for what just live energy does to a performance in general. Absolutely. But um, yeah, so going into the recording of this, I really had it in mind to try to as we were recording use things use different techniques that we can replicate live and obviously you're not going to get like the exact tones but so for example if i used one specific uh well actually in do not go on Mm -hmm. the the album uh we detuned the acoustic guitar to um uh basically like all of the same string pretty much okay um and then we put it through a bunch of effects processing and hit it with chopsticks. <laughs> and so it creates this this really, kind like, dulcimer, yeah, really kind of dulcimer feeling. drone. Um, I'm not going to, you know, bring chopsticks happening. and play that at a live show. <laughs> you have to bring another guitar. Another we guitar. have to kick out, kick out Alec over yeah. there. No, just kidding. <laughs> but I, you know, you, I find ways to create that same atmosphere. Um, just minus the chopsticks. And... <laughs> so, in fact, though, it is your goal to attempt to recreate as closely as possible. In a certain yeah. way that gives yeah. give the live show a similar feel, but also a different feel. And you welcome that as a musical challenge to do sure. that. Sure, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I think it's... we've. I can't remember specific artists, nor would I say their names, but there is something about listening to an album and falling in love with it and then seeing the artist live and your favorite part of the song isn't there. And you're like, oh, 
Mm. Man. So I think we try, I mean, we obviously can't do everything. Mm -hmm. um, there's, again, the chopsticks and there's like prepared piano, which is when you like mute some strings while you're playing it and you can't do that. Right. But um, because, well, right now our live setup is five people. So we have, we do still have trumpet and violin. So those can kind of achieve that orchestral element mm -hmm. right. without needing a full orchestra mm -hmm. to right. do it so yeah well we didn't have a full orchestra we just had a trio but <laughs> yeah. uh let's talk about another song spark set fire mm -hmm. uh i've heard you say before this song is about a first date yeah um and it is sung in the first person mm -hmm. but it has a sense to me of being kind of told from an observer's point of view like someone overhearing conversation so can you talk about that yeah, song a little so bit? Yeah, so I do mean that in first person, but it's kind of, I understand, it's like almost like self-observation. Right. It's like looking at yourself in those weird moments of a first date in which you are very nervous and wanting to show someone who you are in mm -hmm. order to give and receive authentic love, but you can't do it right away. You're putting up this wall um, so yeah, the first verse, um, expresses, um, this eagerness to like have those moments and those butterflies. And then the second verse starts with the lyrics. So we put on our cloaks, casual greeting, artificial temperament. Mm -hmm. So it's like knowing that both parties are doing that. Like you both want to just be yourself, but Telling yourself to be yourself causes you to perform your own personality. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, it's just sort of this bird's eye view of those doubts and those affirmations and interpreting glances or interpreting different hand touches or things like that and um, protecting yourself while wanting to kind of reach out mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. The, the, the lyric in the chorus, I love it. It's, you know, you say you talk about your mother and I'll talk about mine. Yeah. That kind of gives that sense of the mundane yet still critical early stage of yeah. a relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, we'll just talk about anything, but it happens to be my mother. Yeah, right? totally. I think I, that is sort of a breakthrough moment in conversation where it's like, you know, there's just like, you know, small talk. I'm, we were visualizing just this like, you know, the classic kind of calibration when you're first communicating and then, you know, and you talk about your mother and I'll talk about mine, like kind of this balance of we can get personal. Let's mm -hmm. talk about our upbringing. Let's talk about who we are and why we've gotten to this mm -hmm. point and kind of opening up together at the same time. And I think like, yeah, talking about family is an effortlessly, like an effortless way in order to kind of get deeper without kind of yeah. burying your soul. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think you really nailed it with that with those chorus lyrics. And you talk about your mother and I'll talk about my song I Still Remain. Mm -hmm. I really like this one. Uh, it seems to be about maybe trying to hold on to something mm -hmm. in a relationship and then at the end of the song 
they're kind of two voices talking over each other. Yeah. And it's this kind of maybe uh, emblematic of a communication issue maybe in a relationship or something. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so that song is about um, loving someone who's far away from you. It's like, so either a long distance relationship, but also just someone who, who's become emotionally distant too. Uh, so just that distance and um, the first lyric is, uh, I'll make you light up. You are my brightest star, but you've been burning out. I'm too late. You're too far. So that's um, in reference to obviously the light we see from stars, um, is old light that's not as they are most of those stars are dead that you're seeing so you appreciate them for their beauty but you're not seeing them in their current state and sort of this um just sort of you're never on each other's wavelength anymore so yeah it's about kind of wanting to hold on um but not knowing if there's like not being able to trace where the relationship derailed, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's the, there's an instrumental uh, round between trumpet and violin that we intentionally did as a round. So they're both playing the same thing, but not at the same time. Right. And sometimes it's um, like consonant, where it like sounds clean and nice together, and sometimes it's really dissonant. But okay. they're never playing it at the same. Mm-hmm time it's like this conversation and then the end of it with the vocal uh round again Mm -hmm. it it like just spirals and it's just everybody is having all of these doubts but they never like align and come Mm -hmm. back together of having two amazing and soulful voices that happen to sound great together how do you decide on the vocal arrangements you know you've each taken lead on different songs is is that just organically kind of happen or what's that conversation like yeah i feel like that depends on typically who wrote the song okay uh i would say that's like the most common case in how that works Mm -hmm. but there's definitely cases where i begin writing something and the only way I can hear this in its finished form is if Denny was to sing it. Um, so, so yeah, it happened both. There, yeah, there is a little bit of both ways. I think I keep, I keep kind of like both voices at the forefront when writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
it's nice that you are a team Yay. and there is not competition for you. <laughs> right? I want to see that. <laughs> Let's talk about the song Artifice. This song has a really great bouncy groove to it. Yes. And it kind of sets it apart a little bit from the album. Right. Can you yeah. talk about that song and the placement of it in, on the album? Sure, yeah. One funny anecdote is that we always introduce this as, as our rocker jam. <laughs> Um, but the more times we've played this, especially in kind of the more formal rock clubs, the standing room venues, it's just, it's never, it's never a rock jam. It's right. just a, a nice moderate, kind of bounce moderate a sway. It's yeah. A, it's a relative term. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as its placement on the record, I, I feel like I really battled with it having a place on the record at all. Right. Um, but I think there's a lot to be said in giving like a breath to your listener, not just overwhelming somebody with this emotional depth and this um, atmosphere that you can create. Right. Um, and so Artifice still lyrically <laughs> holds some of the same there. thematic elements. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. But as far as sonically, it, it definitely kind of, does give this this breath or this new life to yeah. the record. Yeah. It's funny how our breath is an upbeat song. Where I feel <laughs> I like most artists have mostly upbeat songs. So that's a generalization. Sure, and then but... the breath would be like a quiet one. Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's slow it down a bit. And ours yeah. would be like, let's pick it up a bit <laughs> for a second. Yeah. I think that one almost didn't make the album yeah. because our producer was like, it doesn't it doesn't sound like mm-hmm. anything else. But I think it does in its finished form. There's yes. at least a thread that kind of mm-hmm. goes through it. But. Yeah, no, particularly lyrically, it, it certainly fits. Yeah. contains the title line of the uh, album Holding Out for the Light Left On. Mm-hmm. So do you feel that this song contains somehow the overall theme of the record within it? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. That song is about... So our whole album, I, I, we wanted to achieve this thread of um, like belonging. And mm-hmm. um, I think that that's something that everyone is always seeking is where... Uh, what feels right to you authentically. It's about uh, yeah, self-actualization and uh, holding out for the light left on is re- like referencing when like I don't know, you come home to either your home or someone who loves you or your parents' home and they leave the light on for you because they know you're coming home. Right. And then when you arrive, that light will go up because that's where you are meant to be. Mm-hmm. And so 
you can think of that in a literal form, you can think of that in a like internal form, but hideout definitely is the summary um, of that place, that hideout literally, mm -hmm. or, right. or home um, that you belong in. Yeah. Put away your old and toss it in the fire To burn slowly Play the part of aging of our iron Hurry past the lines you've made And it's all for the taking I'm holding out for the light left on Done are the days where all we told you are So how do you feel you have, you've both been, as we discussed earlier, writing songs mm -hmm. for a long time now. You both started as teenagers. Yeah. How do you think you have changed as songwriters? Are there things you've gotten better at or just process-wise things have changed? It's a funny reflection. Um, I, I think understanding how to capture a feeling for me has changed and also not clouding that with unnecessary metaphors mm -hmm. um i feel like my early writing stages were probably like incredibly heartfelt to a point that's just no one wants to listen to that <laughs> <laughs> and then going into this more abstract stage in kind of like my early college years and then it's kind of now evolved into this like still a little bit of of ambiguity in the lyrics mm -hmm. um not giving like too much away but also learning how to like be a little bit more personal right it. and mm -hmm. yeah so that would be i think my musical songwriting evolution learning how to tell your truth yeah, yeah. for sure that's a good way to put it mm -hmm. yeah i think like audiences can always tell when you're not being authentic mm -hmm. and I think that's the real joy of being a songwriter is just like you can talk about your life really specifically and people will relate to that yes. and there's such beauty in that like you can get very very specific and people will be like me too yes and if it's real yeah totally and I, I think that that makes the world feel much smaller and yeah in my own writing uh, I think I started in that like, you know, very survey of things, yeah. with meaning like just <laughs> scratching the surface on the emotion. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sad now. <laughs> but like when you can expand on that and like, I don't know, just be confident in telling your story. Um, I think that that confidence has grown and I think it will continue to grow. I think that that's really exciting and to trust audiences and listeners with your life and with your emotion and right. know that they can carry that for you or with you. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there's a change in your lives recently. You, you recently moved from Boston to Virginia, to Virginia. Yeah. So yeah. how do you see this move from a city lifestyle to a more country? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, how do you see it affecting your creative process or mm. your, or your, music in general do you see yeah. any change since you since it's happened or um if i can uh 
use one of my uh, curse passes. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so good. Very good. Um, I well, I, that's my. Do you feel the same way? In what? Well, let's. let's is, in what way? So I guess I love cities so much. I mean, I thrive in that environment of like constant stimulation. Mm-hmm. And um, so many things happening and like everyone's pushing the envelope, but it also doesn't allow you to breathe. You're just challenged at all times and that causes doubt. Like, am I doing enough? Like everyone's struggling financially, creatively, Mm -hmm. everyone is kind of in the same boat. And there's this beautiful bohemian component to that of just like, We'll be musicians and we'll spend all our money on rent and who cares. And um, but when we move to the country, uh, it like all of that noise just goes away, and you have the freedom to kind of create. I don't know, like it's just silent. Like I didn't even realize how much noise. You don't know it's there until you leave it behind. Yeah, Yeah. I think the first night in our new apartment um, in Virginia, I. I don't think I slept because I was like, where's the car? Where's the ambulance? Yeah, it's so everything? silent. Yeah. So you're seeing that affect your process, your creative process. Yeah, because yeah. you can just like feel creative at any time of day. You allow, it's like this relief. Just everything feels better. And it's obviously more affordable, mm-hmm. but I hate money anyway. <laughs> burn it all. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it causes that beautiful ease of release instead yeah. of just like feeling how about you Chris yeah, this for you yeah. this is Denny's going home for yeah you, this I know is this home. is new so, territory for yeah. me and yeah there's an artist by the name of Adrian Lenker that the the question posed was pretty similar um, in terms of city versus country mm-hmm. and, and your artistic processes in both of those and she described it as both of them being different types of like jungles yeah. okay and like, you know, the city is just this chaotic jungle. But if you're in that and you love that, then that can give you so much inspiration. You can witness so much and, and have so many ideas just come to life through one train, like one train ride into the city. Right. Um, and then being in the country, I feel that jungle is, is, is just, you know, you're surrounded by nature and it's so serene and... That can really put you in a really calming state that mm-hmm. I find personally necessary in order to get to those places to write. Are you um, ready to say it's fucking awesome? Yeah, it's fucking you... awesome. Okay, yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One thing that is, like, going back to writing um, and being specific about your life, um, one thing that was really lovely about moving home um, is that there's, like, this childhood version of me, the talent show, the Dorothy, there's that part of my life. And then I moved away from it for seven years and like had this like second adolescence in a city and in it like so far, so different from uh, Winchester, Virginia. And then moving home and having like those people back in your life, it kind of reminds you of who you are and you feel like a complete Mm -hmm. person and you Uh, can kind of look at these places. Now the two parts are coming together. Yeah, and so I feel very um, fulfilled and whole again, which is really nice and I think it causes that creativity to be more confident because you can dig through all of these wells that you forgot you had. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's great. I mean, the little town is 
little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we have one cool coffee shop, so yeah. that can, it's very cool. That's shop. all you need. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a big fan of the state of Virginia. I, yeah. I spent some time there myself, so I, mm-hmm. I can understand why you like it so much. Yeah. But I think we can leave it there. This was a great talk. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm really looking forward to the show we're going to have later this afternoon. And I look forward to listening to the great record a few more times. Uh, So, thanks very much. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Tell You What, the podcast. Please check out our other installments, and you may find your next favorite band. Do yourself a favor. Go listen to A Light Left On, a great new record from the Western Den. And take in their amazing live show when you can. I think we'll be hearing a lot more from Chris and Denny as their careers move forward. Until next time, remember, music is the best. Let's pick up where we left this. I want to see your skin glow. Emanating wild. Forget of what surrounds us and return slow We've been drowning in this orifice Creating names to blame for this Waiting for our footsteps We're all in need of good rest